gentlemen. Hello? William? Can you guys hear me? I can now. Wow, what is going on? I'm using my headset microphone. Why is my other microphone not seem to be working that well? Hold on. Uh, I'm going to switch back to the other mic. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Very low. Barely. Hello? That's better. They cranked all the way up. It's a crank call. <laughs> like it's just, God damn it, why does Skype have to keep updating? I mean, does it sound normal? Uh, it's, it's, it's actually it's still slightly low, yeah, but it's I not. Mean, I gotta crank but it's up manageable. And you should be up to 11. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! I got nothing else. Hello everybody and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spatero. That's Dr. Bill Robinson. Hi! Hi. And we are joined today by Mr. David Pescarella. How's everybody doing? We're tired, oh, Dave. We're tired. Dave, so... Dave's so professional. How's everybody doing? I just go, hi. <laughs> Dave should do this show without us. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a page turner? Has uh, yeah. Mr. Rifen returned your, or, or gotten to you as far as his willingness to do a uh, assistant editor uh, show? I've spoken to him about many other things, but I haven't heard anything on that. You might not need to reach out to him. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I will do that. And for anybody listening, I am now getting things underway to have another Assistant Editor's Month, and you just had a flash sample of what of one of the shows would be Scott Rifen along with Dave Pascarella, assuming Mr. Rifen has the time to record, because we haven't spoken to him yet. Flash. Oh. Ah. And that would all be because your producer, Dave needs, your producer needs to rest, along with, uh, who are the three people from The Running Man? Oh. Haddad, uh, <laughs> Price, Haddad, and Price, Haddad, and uh, and yeah. anyway. it'll be Price, Haddad, and Spataro. <laughs> like our previous winners, Whitman, Price, and Haddad. You remember them? Whitman, Price, and Haddad. There they are, and at this very moment, they're basking under the Maui sun. Their debt to society paid in full. All I remember is Ben Jones is a mean blankety blank. Ben uh, Ben Richards. Richards, Richards. Ben Richards. Ben Jones was cooter, I think. Uh, I believe you're correct, and he was also a congressman. That's probably the only reason I remember that. Because he was a congressman? Yeah. Mm. No, Dave's a Dave is a political beast. <laughs> 
See, now I'm looking up who are the three guys from the Running Man. Price, Haddad. I think it's Price something in Haddad. I can't think of it. Anyway, uh, Dave, any anything new going on in your comic collecting world? I did just finish off the original Battlestar Galactica run from Marvel. Completed my collection, so I'm rather proud of that. How many issues is that? That was only, I think, 22, 23, something that's still, like that's, that. You know, those, those are nice runs to fill out. When I first started collecting comics, I enjoyed running, uh, filling some of those short runs that were, you know, of canceled series. And at this point, since I'm really only getting Bronze and Silver Age books, that's all I'm doing. Because other than uh, other than Action Comics uh, and Batman, I don't think there's anything that's in its original numbering anymore that, you know, that hasn't... Actually, even those went back. So there's nothing. There's nothing that I feel like you can't get a complete series of at this point if you're going from back then. And uh, if I may throw something out, comics-related, of course, I order my... Uh books online from Lone Star Comics or MyComicShop.com Lone Star and I got I got my shipment last month and it was packed properly but the corners of all the books were bent so I sent them an email I explained the situation I got a replacement shipment yesterday I have to say they handled it great no complaints nothing but praise for them did you have to ship back the uh, the original set? Yeah, they sent me a credit, and I put them in the uh, box that I got, and I'm going to send it media mail, uh, probably today or Monday. So the only inconvenience, and I, I don't blame them for this because I don't think it can really be avoided, the only inconvenience is you got to stop by the uh, post office for it. That's it. That's, but, that's not bad. You know, Like you said, they handled it professionally, so that's cool. And it, it's less than a week. Literally, I think Monday I sent the email and everything arrived uh, yesterday, Friday. Well, I have to say, and this is not necessarily a good reflection on me, but I have to say that in that same circumstance, what I would do is I would read the ones with the bent corners, and then when the new shipment arrived, I would just be bagging and boarding them and keeping them in pristine condition. (laughs) And then I'd mail them back, the ones with the corners. Well, they haven't been sent yet. Why, you know, why... If I have two in front of me, why, why, you know, risk causing any damage to the ones that that I, you know, that I'm going to keep? Uh, and I'm not, you know, that... I'm not a big stickler on everything has to be, you know, in pristine condition. But, you know, if if that if that situation is presented in front of me, I figure I might as well have, you know, have theirs take the uh, the very very slight beating of having been read. Believe me, re- my reading it can't do any further damage compared to what they came with. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, I guess we should. You know, we're we're on a little bit of a time crunch today, so we should probably get looking. right into our books. You keep looking, Bill. Uh, Dave, you are the guest. Would you like to go first or second? Would you sure. like to shoot him now or at home? Shoot, me shoot now. him now! Shoot him now! You want to go first or, or second or third? Your choice. Did you know there was a Running Man TV show? But it's about people running. What, like jogging? Yes. So it's a jogging man. That's almost exciting as golf. Golf golf was enjoyable to watch when I played golf. 
because then you're watching and you're looking at people's techniques and their style and how they're doing things and you start thinking I could do that let me let me watch his swing a little bit more closely let me see if I could reproduce that the day I stopped playing golf which is quite a while ago I also lost interest in watching it I've never been interested in watching golf for the competition it was just to get tips on how to play better yeah, I played golf shortly, and I found it to be a beautiful walk ruined by a white ball. <laughs> I, I enjoyed playing for a short time. I, I, I didn't play well, but the, but my enjoyment of the game burned brightly and for a short time, and then it went away. After you bought all the equipment. Well, I had somebody gave me a set of clubs, so, nice. uh, so I, I didn't really, you know, it wasn't really that much of, a, uh, of, of an investment for me. It just it's just that the whole process would take too long. The actual playing of the game would take up too much of my day and it wouldn't allow for other activities. So that was my biggest problem. So it, it well just to take that further because this is a golf podcast. Uh, <laughs> what what would, what would happen is because of that I could only play so often. You know, if if you're going to spend you know 4 or 5 hours in a pop playing, you can't you know, some people manage to do it anyway, but I felt I couldn't play all that frequently. And if you don't play golf frequently, you don't get better at golf. So yeah. then it starts to become frustrating because you're not improving the way you want to. Yeah. Well, for me, it became hit the ball as quickly as you can and move on so you're not blocking the guy behind you. That's part of the process, too. I, I think that's, you know, especially when you get the guys who take forever and stink. Yeah. Are you talking stuff about me? <laughs> I'm talking that you should do your book now. Okay. For this book, we're going to have a real blast from the past. Not quite Mr. District Attorney, but fairly close. My book is Captain Storm Number 1, published on March 12th, 1964, cover dated May, June 1964. The author of the book was Robert Canninger, and he was also the editor. And the artist is Irving Novick. The title of this issue is, hang on, I lost my notes here, one second, Killer Hunter. No, it's Killer Hunt. Killer I made Hunt. The Fine, I made the title better. I know, I know, yeah, her, yeah. I know his cousin Helen. Helen Hunt. She's very. She used to be very nice looking. Okay. I have no idea what she looks like now. Well, you, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, you can tell her you'll see her next Tuesday too. Uh, oh, ooh, ooh, sorry, <laughs> deep cut, deep cut. Oh, another. Oh, never mind. I'll shut apologies, up. Apologies, apologies. Killer Hunt. The synopsis is as follows. Oh, just one question before I get started. What are you, Columbo? <laughs> Bill, Doc, Doc, I heard that this is originally based on Dr. William Robinson, and they just changed the name for the comic. Is that true? No, that's, uh, that's no. Mikhail's Navy. No, okay. I, hey. <laughs> All right. Lieutenant William Storm is a newly minted officer in the United States World War II Navy. On his first command is captain of a PT boat, a blood-red Japanese sub suddenly surfaces off the starboard side and rams the ship, cutting it in half. Ramming sounds... speed! I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> this sounds vaguely familiar to something in real life, but whatever. 
His surviving crew is machine-gunned in the water, and a wounded storm vows revenge. Despite revenge! Losing... <laughs> Despite losing his left leg below the knee, Storm requests to be returned to action, noting that a Royal Air Force pilot who lost both of his legs was able to remain in the fight. He is rejected. Not to be deterred, he is fitted with an artificial leg, and with the help of his nurse, Jan, Storm pushes his physical limits to prove he is able. Not only demonstrating he can surf, but he also winds up saving Jan in front of his superior officer. Storm is returned to command. The crew of Storm's new PT boat believe they are jinxed to not only have a captain who lost his previous ship, but one that has a wooden leg as well. The men insist on calling him lieutenant and not skipper or captain as is tradition. To make matters more difficult, the brother of one of Storm's lost crewmen is part of his crew and a vocal critic. During their first mission, Storm gets them through an air attack, and they sink a decoy ship and a destroyer. When the crew learns of Storm's quest to destroy the sub that sank his ship, they refer to him as Captain Ahab from Moby Dick. Then, while rescuing downed airmen, Storm sinks another destroyer, but a sudden maneuver combined with his wooden leg results in him being thrown to the deck. Following the action, he spots the blood-red sub and engages it. The sub escapes, but the PT boat survives, and Storm saves the life of one of his harshest critics among the crew. This earns Storm the respect of the crew and the title of Skipper. The end for now. So he put them in a position of danger. Yes. But then protected them, so he's good. That pretty much sums it up. Amongst other issues, a little bit of indecisiveness at the beginning when the sub surfaces next to the ship and he's do I tell the men to abandon ship, or do I fight? The boats are expendable, but what about the men? I think he hit angst before Stanley ever got there. No, sixty by sixty-four, Stan was angsting. So it may it may have been just the trend of the books at that point. But it's it's interesting to think of it from that perspective. If you think this may have been influenced a little bit by the Stanley angst that he's creating in Spider-Man, which would be around for about a year and a half at this point. Uh, to, to think that DC might have said, well, how about if we put the angst in, but we do it in a war book, <laughs> you know, instead of a superhero book? One of the things I'm curious about, this was published, like I said, in 64. What do you think the lead-in time was from, hey, let's come up with a book about a PT boat captain to publication? You think in you think in something with JFK? Yeah, because I mean, figure I mean he was assassinated November of '63, and this hits what six months later. Yeah, they could have done this in that time. Oh, I definitely think they could have done it in that time. I don't even think they would need quite that much time. Or at least you know, I, I suspect. I don't really you know. I've never been involved in the production process. Um, because also, also, the the movie PT one oh nine hit in uh, a year before, June 19th of 63, which actually was not a success. But you might want to save that for another podcast. 
And McHale's Navy was on the TV from 62 to 66. So. Hmm. Well, I do think, you know, uh, the Kennedy assassination, from what I know about it, and I was just a baby when it happened, so I, I don't have any memories of it. Uh, but from what I could tell, it, it was one of the times, you know, the country was different then than it is now, and you could actually have a kind of a national mourning. Uh, you know, now if 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 our current president got assassinated, the left wingers would celebrate. Uh, if our prior president had gotten assassinated, the right wingers would have celebrated. There is there is no national unity the way there was at one time. It's all about you know me 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 me. Right. And uh, right. I'm I'm you know. I, I do blame the proliferation of media to some extent for that. And I mean, obviously, we're going far afield here. But I think the, the divide is bigger than it's ever been. And not that, not that there's something, anything to be celebrated in the fact that a president got assassinated, but there is something to be said for a country that's more united. Yeah, definitely. You know, so, yeah. I, yeah, I'm convinced it's... Uh... It's Kennedy that led to this. I I tend to agree with you. I think you know the the but again the, the, I think the nation was kind of united in its mourning for his loss. Uh, you know, right and left wingers alike, even people who were politically opposed to him, uh, and his the tales of him as the you know on the PT boat were somewhat legendary. So I think you know you you would produce this thinking parents would want to get it for their for their kids or would approve their kids having it because of right. exactly that. Right. Is he wearing sneakers? It looks those like would, that. Well, no, those would be deck shoes. They are, okay. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be, you know, Well, you you are you are you are our military uh, mili expert. our, well, our, our naval expert for what it's worth. <laughs> yes, for for what it's worth on this show. I guess I could be considered a naval expert. I mean, we did not wear shoes like that when I was in because of we we wore stilted. Uh, uh, usually, we all you, you either wore boondockers, or if you could get your um, oh sorry, you don't know what a boondocker is. It's 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 a it's it's a it's a steel-toed shoe with a steel shank, you know, in the um, on the bottom along the bottom, uh, you know. Is that like foot. lamb shank? Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. And it's basically comes up to about just above your little ankle bone there, and it's and it's it's leather, and that's what you issued in boot camp, or you were at the time. It's and literally later, boot camp. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I also had a set of flight deck boots because I'm not saying sometimes the military needs to spend its budget money or it doesn't get it. Then. The following year, so they get everybody's shoe size, and everybody gets a nice set of flight deck boots, which go up like all the way up, halfway up your leg, and lace up, and are all leather and real nice and everything. Which I I must say, and years why later, is it now I'm picturing you in like a bustier? <laughs> which gives a whole new meaning to the term uh, "nut to butt." Uh, yes, Ooh. yes, it does. <laughs> Anyway, do I need to explain now what nut to butt is so that people don't get the wrong 
Okay, not great. the butt is what they yell at you when you're in, 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 in line at uh, the chow line in boot camp because they just pack you in there and you're literally nut to butt with the guy in front of you. Not not any less distasteful. Yes. So anyway, but I I must say years later, my flight deck boots saved my left foot from being crushed by a roll of wire because I was wearing them. Is that so. the Daniel Day Lewis movie? No. Well, yes, but this, no. A not, dramatization not, not, of that, Bill in the military. <laughs> that was that was his left foot, not my left foot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now uh, that we have tangented it away, let's get back to the book. Yes. Uh, I have a, a, a fondness, uh, and I think it's more nostalgic than anything else, but there's just this, this early, you know, this 60s style of artwork that Irv Novak did in this book. Uh, you know, it reminded me of him. It reminds me a little bit of Jim Aparo. It reminds me a little bit of... Uh, uh, that's what I was thinking. Or, yeah, I couldn't. Or, or I like, couldn't pin it down in my head. Who's Who's the? Uh, Dan, oh, Joe Kubert, a little bit there. You know, like the, just this style was uh, almost a little bit of a house style, and you know, it, it wouldn't have done much in the '70s. I don't think by then. I think they had moved. You know, the companies had moved on from it. But I enjoy this house style, and uh, I kind of I just like the story in general. It's a little, you know. Little simplistic in some ways, uh, but other than that, I, I found it to be enjoyable. And it's I did a, you did you get this when we were at Comic Con that time? Yes, I did. Okay, there you go. So I, I had a part in this. I stood there, <laughs> <laughs> saying to yourself, "This nudnik is spending all this money." Until then, I had never heard of Captain Storm. This is a series I was ignorant of until. You bought, I think you had bought like three or four issues of it in that yeah. show. There's only 18 of them, and I mm. still have a couple to get. So. But uh, What did you think of it, Bill? Oh, I liked it. I liked it. You know what I really like is that the, uh, like the cover shot is, is in the book not only once, but twice. Yeah. Did you catch where it's in twice? It's right after the first, like the first opening page. It's the middle panel. And then back, like I think the opening of chapter three or four, it's also the opening splash. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, and, 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 it, and it's almost a re. It's, it's actually almost a shot for shot recreation. It's just it's the one on the cover has got a different coloring scheme to it. And maybe the plane's a little closer, but I, or, or actually, I think it's pretty much the exact same. But it's very, it's very, it's very interesting. They also yeah. have a nice little uh, Navy rating badges thing in there. So did they do this throughout the book, Dave? Like different ones? They have like little nautical Navy facts. Yes. Ah, cool. Some, some of them are wrong, though. Uh, well, they now, they may have been right at the time. Things change in in the service. Uh I would have to uh, I would have to see it to uh, to grade whether or not they're right or wrong. And the uh, that page, you know, where it's like, hey, ask Captain Storm a question. They repeat the same exact page in another issue. Same questions. 
Yeah, it's the exact same questions and same answers. And it's not that many issues later. It's like maybe issue four or something like that. Well, fortunately, maybe they didn't get a lot of response, you know. Or somebody was lazy. Well, it's interesting. Eh. It's interesting that it's issue one, and that they have these questions from people, you know, asking questions of Captain Storm. So I assume it's all made up. I would think so, right? But they all have names and and cities that they're from. Maybe it was the guys in the bullpen. Mm. Yeah, I would imagine. Or some, you know, I, back then I don't think people had the title of intern. So whatever, you know, whatever job you gave to like a you know a mailroom person or whatever i think that's you know yeah write some questions and answers get back to us and then somebody got really lazy and just uh said yeah here's a page from last time <laughs> yeah just slap it in who's gonna know dave pascarella 60 years from now <laughs> yeah it's like if we knew they were going to be talking about this 60 years later i'd have done a better job yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I like, like the it. Captain Ahab, uh, you know, perception in it. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's heavy-handed, and it's, like I said, it's, the story's a little simplistic, but it's, it, I think it's a good setup, and, you know, if you like military comics, I think this, this is set to be a good series. Uh, apparently it didn't catch on very well if it only went 18 issues. <laughs> I think it's probably a little bit more difficult to write. Uh, you know, when you think about in the 1960s when they were writing war books, you know, they mostly did, you know, ground forces because I think it just made it easier to come up with things for them to be doing. You know, on the ship, you know, you have to be a little bit more creative to come up with storylines because you're not going to be exposed to just any, you know, any old thing. Uh, so I, I do think it's probably more difficult to write. But well, I'll, to spo- if I may spoil ahead, because I don't, don't. want to ruin. I've re- I started to read on maybe, I don't know, eight issues in, and it's you really got to spread them out because they rehash the origin every single issue. And oh, it's just not a couple ju- pages, right? Right. It's not, you know, like, oh, let's sum this up with a paragraph. It's. Showing you the same scenes for three, four pages. That cover, that cover shot is in every book. <laughs> every single book. <laughs> but I still like it. It's like a return to a simpler time. Yeah, that's and that's I, one of the things I, I like too. And when I, when I was saying I like this art style, and I think that's exactly the reason to return to a simpler time. And I'm always biased for the navy, so. Oh, I thought I thought you were just into military books in general. I didn't know that the Navy was particularly your way to go. Yeah, because uh, Uncle John was in the Navy, so I've always been a very big fan of the Navy. So he was on a carrier, not a PT boat. Did uh, did Doctor Bill's involvement in the Navy kind of spoil that a little for you? What? No, it made, no, it made it more entertaining. <laughs> I got stories, man. I know. You, you that's what I'm talking about. Tellers. That was the best episode. That was. That oh, I, was still, I do I have just, to say that was fun. <laughs> and and I wish stories. I knew where where it could be found so that I could uh, steer any listeners towards it. But 
if you go to the Two True Freaks page, I believe there is a link for storytellers. And Dr. Bill talks of his, uh, and I put it in the word, I put the word in quotes, adventures uh, in in the Navy. Yes, uh, there should be a picture of. Uh, I think there's a picture. Yeah, there's a picture of me, my uh, in my in my dress blues and other. Uh, yeah, a young Doctor Bill will say. Yeah, ready, well, ready to be on the cover doctor. of a Cracker Jacks box. <laughs> hey, do we hey. have any, any specifics about this book to talk about, or are we gonna read and move on? I don't think a PT boat could cut a submarine in half. <laughs> I think a submarine could cut a PT boat in half. Mm-hmm. It could damage it, but I don't. I don't think it could. I mean, but hey, it's a comic book. I'm not yeah, I don't know about the the uh, physics and logistics of all of that. I just figure it's, uh, you know, well, whichever well, one hits he, the other at a certain angle. I'm thinking they're both damaged. He, he didn't cut. I didn't think he, he cut the sub in half. He just like rode over it because he's still searching for it and issues to come. Oh, maybe just scared him off. Okay, well, right, no, because right. I. Well, because. Like in the like last page, it shows the red sub going down. But at least that's the way I took it. But okay, it's going down. Man. These things go down. That's creating a sucking vortex, which uh, creating vortex was. Uh, hmm. All right. So, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I thought maybe that they they were trying to say that. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. A red sub with a big red dot on it. That's kind of like. Overkill, isn't it? I mean, like, how would you see it? Well, Why the dot it is really red? red. The dot, the dot, yes, it's slightly, slightly, it's a little off red because compared to the rest of the sub. You know so how hard I, it is to paint that thing. I, ha- I have a military question. Yes, two actually. One would Captain Storm actually wear a white hat, or wouldn't you wear a tan hat during mm. a war? You would think, well, well, I mean, you all wore, uh, we all wore, um, well, when I was at sea, we didn't always wear our white hats. That was actually a ship-by-ship preference by the commander, by the captain, decided whether or not, you, you know, like what the at-sea import uniform was. I mean, we usually wore ball caps, but then when we were in, in port, we were the only freaking ship in the basin that had to wear... In port and off the ship, we had to wear our white hats. Every other ship could wear their regular ball caps that say, you know, USS whatever. But no, we were we were the idiot ship that was, hey, I'm going to stop up to Gettysburg. Yeah, I got my white hat on. <laughs> Sorry. And the, the other question was, once they called him Skipper, did he grab the guy and go, my little buddy, little buddy. <laughs> But that is an interesting point. You do usually call, re, regardless of a person's rank, you do call them a captain if they're in command of a ship. Because a smaller ship, like a PT boat, could have a lieutenant in command, and he is the captain. You know, it's a tradition, not a, uh, you know. Right. Right. Brought the show to a halt. Yes. This has been Navy Time with Dr. Bill. <laughs> So, uh, what else we got? <laughs> we... I think we're good to rate it. All right, then you're on. You're on the hook. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. 
I to, so the, to speak. I graded the cover an A minus. I liked the art style. The scene, like we've said, was in the book twice. It's dynamic and detailed. You see the details on the plane diving on the PT boat. The bullets actually hitting Storm, the wooden leg. I like the title design with the rope and anchor around the name. I gave it a little minus for they put too many 50 caliber machine gun mounts on the PT boat. They had about five of them, and they should only be two. Do you want me to go on to everyone do the cover? or No, go, you, you, you do okay. yours, and then we'll, we'll rip apart Perfect. your thoughts. All right. <laughs> the story I graded a B. I like the premise for the story, but I felt it was a little too stretched out and repetitive. And I understand that's the way they told stories back then, but uh, I felt it slowed it down. Um, as an origin story, I think it was great. I think it served its purpose by giving the character a motivation, and it created a war hero that's a mix of, you know, uh, John Wayne and They Were Expendables, JFK and Captain Ahab, frankly. And the interior art I gave an A. I like that style. I like its detailed. Uh, I like that there's backgrounds and it's not just a, a blank scene behind them. So uh, I was happy. And overall, I give the book an A minus. And Chewie agrees with me. Chewie has never disagreed with you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm going back and forth on the cover between. I think I'm going to go B plus on the cover. I think it's really solid. I think it, uh, it's a dynamic scene, as you say. I think it, it it's appealing. If if you're if you're somebody who's looking for a war book in general, it's appealing. And I think, you know, it's presenting something different because, like I said, most of the war books that I've seen are pre present ground troops, so it's giving you something a little different. Um, the interior art. I know there's a lot of nostalgia to this, but I really like it. So I'm going to go A minus on the interior art. Uh, it's just very appealing to me, and it's it tells the story well. It's uh, you know it's easy to follow. Uh, you, you don't really lose what's going on, and it's got a picture of Moby Dick in there. How could you go wrong? Uh, and the story it's kind of enjoyable. It gives you his origin. It you know doesn't always make sense and sometimes seems overly simplistic but it seems pretty cool you know the fact that they repeated it every issue is kind of a negative but that doesn't really reflect on this issue so I'm gonna say a B plus on that and I'm gonna give the book a B plus overall okay uh, I really like the cover um, it, it, you know, like like we said, we'll see it twice again in the book. But here, I think it's presented the best with its, you know, with the way it's colored and everything. Uh, so I I give the cover I I give it an A plus. Um, there's a lot of little things in here, little things with the art that are really pretty cool. Like even on the opening page, you know, a lot of times planes with a with a propeller. Like in some of the scenes, you you don't even see the propeller or you might get like a circle that's got kind of see-through to make it look like a propeller but in the third panel on the first page 
they've got like that little they've got like little lines that look like a like a it's like a a uh, translucent letter S that's kind of stretched out movement lines right but for the propeller and it, and it's a nice touch it's a nice touch um, another panel that's pretty good is when they shoot a some after he's with the with the the new crew and they shoot some torpedoes at a boat and you you've got the torpedoes missed the boat but behind it was a destroyer but and, and the destroyer gets hit in the later panel but the three before are shot to where it shows like the ship moving like the ship they're on moving but the ship in the background is in the same spot but the three panels are like moving like like the ship they're on is turning away you know the page I'm, that I'm discussing it's page 23 of the scan let me take a quick look yeah, I know. What you, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's see, it's 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 really one picture cut into three. Mm-hmm. And it, I know that's always one of your favorites when they do that, right? Because that way they can do you know they cut it so that you have different dialogue and it kind of portrays the movement like they're moving away from it, like they've shot the torpedo, they're moving away, but the background is staying static while the foreground is moving and being active. And I I, I think that's a pretty cool. Uh, touch mm-hmm. uh, so the interior art I'm, I'm going to also give it an A and the story well it's a Navy story so I, I, I have to give it uh, an F no and I'm sorry <laughs> just kidding <laughs> I have to, I'm going to give it an A it's an A all around for me there you go so good book uh, anybody who sees Captain Storm at a uh at a sale, maybe you want to check this out if you're, in, especially, you know, like if you're somebody who likes, you know, Sergeant Fury or Sergeant Rock, uh, this is probably up your alley. Oh, one little negative. Do they really have the color of the Japanese guys quite so yellow? <laughs> like really dark yellow? It's kind of like, wow, man. Yeah, it's okay, al- it's almost an orangish. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and the features too. Well, that was you know. Well, the that was a trope of the time, though. Yeah, but at least, I mean, they're not like the '40s features they would portray Japanese characters as, you know, where they look like Jerry Lewis, you know. But uh, yeah, it is a thing of the time. Yes, I, I think you know. Not that we shouldn't be sensitive, but that we should understand when things are made in a different time. There are different understandings of how things work so we shouldn't we shouldn't judge them by today's standards quite so much as long as you understand that it was a different time mm-hmm. yeah, yeah absolutely you can't judge it by today's standards but you know it, it's it's just like i said it's a matter of understanding that it is something from a different era and that you know it, this isn't something being produced today necessarily and even if it's you know I, I don't even see a problem, and now we're going off to a little bit of a rabbit hole here, but I don't even see a problem with reprinting books from that era because there should be an understanding it's a reprint of a book from that time period or, you know, movies from that time period being released and that type of thing. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to go any further with that. I'm going to keep our uh, water theme going. And my book for today is Submariner number 45, 
from January of 1972, when it had a cover price much, much more expensive than this book of 20 cents. Wow. So you, could, you couldn't get nearly as many of them for a dollar as you could. Scathing. <laughs> storm. And less pages. Yeah. What the hell are they thinking? Oh, and it's your favorite type of cover, too, Paul. I know you love the box covers. Yes. The cover is by Gil Kane, and it's from the... Uh, the, the point when they were doing the box covers, which I still think was a poor choice, uh, where you had the image actually separated from the uh, the logo and then usually with a space on the bottom to write something in. The space on the bottom doesn't bother me so much as the space as separating it from the logo. I see no reason why you couldn't just extend the, uh, the artwork over. Uh, I do like that Tiger Shark on it extends past the, uh, the lines, mm-hmm. though. But the cover shows... Uh, an image of Namor flying above uh, above the city, which I, is apparently New York, uh, with Tiger Shark on what appears to be some type of flying vessel, and he's shooting Namor in the abdomen as the Human Torch is flying up from behind. Uh, pretty pretty good cover as far as I'm concerned. Skill Kane, you know, so you you know kind of what to expect from him. The story is called "And Fire Stalks the Skies," written by a very young Jerry Conway. Penciled by Marie Severin, inked by Jim Mooney, lettered by Sam Rosen, and edited by this guy Stan Lee. Uh, the splash page shows a close-up of Namor's face in front of the city of Atlantis. The narration boxes tell us that Namor is in Boston, Boston, and that Namor's gonna find his car. <laughs> he's looking. <laughs> he's looking for for Chris Tyler. Uh, I need a quarter for the meter for the car. <laughs> So he's, he's being sought by the Human Torch, who's being accompanied by a Diane Arliss, who is Tiger Shark's sister and loves Namor. Namor is walking the streets in the rain. He's wearing a hat because he doesn't like getting wet. He's ruminating on his life, his deceased beloved, Lady Dormer, and his father, who is missing. He's startled from his thoughts by a blind man who's about to be hit by a car, he saves him and, unlike Matt Murdock, avoids his own injury in the accident. Time to join Donny, John, Time to join Johnny Storm and Diane Arliss. Johnny is doing his oh pity me thing because he's the one who snapped Namor from his amnesia way back in FF number four and is now responsible for everything that Namor does forever and ever. And then she slaps him and says, snap out of it. You could be a man! Cut, cut to an insidious submarine where Tiger Shark and Lyra, and who's a Lemurian femme fatale, are plotting Namor's downfall along with some bald dude who I don't even know who he is. They cause they 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 cause their version of the bat signal, which is the crest of Lemuria, to shine in daylight, causing confusion and panic. Namor sees this and goes on the attack. The sub shows its versatility by lifting into the sky and takes to the offensive. The torch it's the one also from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well, it's, it's once again it's kind of the chitty chitty bang bang effect. <laughs> the the show, sub uh, the torch also sees this and attempts to join the battle and aid Namor, distracting him long enough for Tiger Shark to shoot him, uh, as shown in the cover. Torch flies off, taking the unconscious Submariner with him. Meanwhile. 
Lyra, who, by the way, is the killer of Dorma, who had just married Namor at that time, has Diane Arliss brought into the ship via tractor beam, where they subject her to the mind vortex and learn the whereabouts of Namor's dad, Leonard McKenzie, with this machine that just takes things from your mind somehow. Anyway, <laughs> Namor wakes up and is seriously pissed at the torch for ultimately uh, just knocking him out and beating him senseless. At that point, Diane Arliss is being expelled from the ship, and again by tractor beam. She tells Namor that the baddies have his dad, and so Namor enters the enemy territory, ready to save his father. To be continued. Now, this book is 40-some-odd years old. Spoilers. He doesn't do too well on saving his dad. <laughs> anyway, this, this is an era... It got I, better. I, I love the books from this, from this era. This is, this is my sweet spot, the, you know, 1970s Marvel. Uh, and, I, and I, unlike others, always have had a soft spot for Submariner books. So... This is right, you know, right up my alley. I, I enjoyed the heck out of this, and I realized that probably a lot of it is nostalgia. So I'm gonna just right away hand it off to you guys and see what you thought. Well, that two much. Marvel characters meet <laughs> and they fight. It's almost like it's a Marvel team up book. You could play the Itchies and Scratchy song. <laughs> one's one's power is fire. One's water. They fight. I liked. I liked they had. Uh... Muldoon and Tootie on uh, page seven, staring up at the bat signal from Car 54. I love Car 54. Oh, yeah. He says Fred. Yeah. Fred, Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn, yeah. Nice. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't put the connection together that that's. The, the woman at the bottom of that panel looks terrible. <laughs> it's like. Oh, it's, yeah. it's like Egghead's sister. <laughs> Small eggs, pigeon egg, and they they even make a reference to uh, to Batman. Yes, yeah. That I is sort of once like on a TV show once something about bats. <laughs> how do you, how do you shine a light in the sky like that during the day? Um, uh, Atlantean. Lemurian technology. Lemurian technology. Lemurian, Lemurian, the royal, the crest royal of Lemuria. It looks like the serpent crown. Yeah, it does. That's exactly what it brought to mind for me. Yeah. They use the story requires it ray. They could have cast it on the clouds. Like maybe you. Well, it, there, there is a cloud there, partially where the uh, signal yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still don't sky. know that that would work, but okay. Oh, well, you, you know, know what? You do. You could have done it like a rainbow. Like, you know, they like could have sprayed rainbow. some... Yeah. No, they could have sprayed it up in the air and then, like, projected the light through it and through refraction, poof, there you go. Look at that. Science. Science! Solved. Okay. Boston, on the cover, as you said, does look a lot like New York City with the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. Or th- ah, that could be any nondescript bridge built uh, in the last middle of last century. <clears throat> Except I don't think Boston has one like that. Shh. I don't think Boston has ever had one like that. They got all kinds of things in Boston. 
They do. Boston's a wonderful city. I've been, I visited it twice, and I've enjoyed the heck out of it. But I Oddly don't enough, think they have a bridge like that. Oddly enough, my ship went there. I've been there when I was in the Navy. Sorry, go ahead. I was the night baker, so I didn't get to go out and do too much. So the night That's right. Baker. The Navy spent millions and millions of dollars to train me on a multi-million dollar cruise missile system, only to have me to serve as a mess cook. Not once, but twice. Were you teamed up with the butcher and the candlestick maker? <laughs> yeah, very, real funny, Dave. Yeah. Actually, being the night prep guy wasn't too bad, because then I had my days off. But then there was this thing I had to do called, oh, I don't know, sleep. <laughs> I did like the art in this book, though, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I like the it. art. I love Marie Severn. I always have. I don't really care for the inking in it. I think it oversimplifies and kind of loses some of her style in it. Who's the inker? Jim Mooney. Oh, renderer, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, Jim Mooney, Mike Esposito, uh, a lot of those guys of that era, not that they were bad artists, but they tended to oversimplify the work sometimes. So... You know, Marie Severin had a fairly distinct style that I always enjoyed, very similar to her brother's style, John Severin. Uh, and and I, you know, I miss seeing that style in here. And I do think, you know, we talked in the uh, prior issue about house styles, and I think that was more in an effort to to get the house style of the time, which at this point was kind of a kind of a, a an amalgam between Romita and Kirby. Yeah, I mean, this has its own style, but the last one had a different, like, more of a... I mean, granted, they are separated by eight years? Yeah, eight years or so. Well, I but think that, one, st- that house style was more of a Joe Kubert house style. Yes, yeah, it, but it's more of, like, the rough, grim and gritty, whereas this is... This still has its own style, but it's more cleaner. Yeah, which is, again, I think it's kind of... I, well, in the 60s, Marvel went with the Kirby house style... And then in in the seventies they kind of shifted over to to a Romita house style, and I think this is kind of in the transition period. But you know, there's another cool panel here where uh, where we first see their sub come up out out, out of the water, and and it's a little thing because you know what, if Vinnie Coletta did this, this would just be a, a a sub in you know there would be no detail to that water. Where Namor's flying overhead, the sub's coming up. There's like water where it's been displaced. It's got water coming off of it as it's coming out of, out from the water. Yeah, okay, good, great descriptions, Bill. You know what I'm saying? Well, you like, almost, it, it almost creates a circular wake where it came out of the water. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like it where it would have displaced because it's a round sub. It comes up. There's a round wake, and then there's detail to the water. If this was Vinnie Coletta. You would have had none of that water detail there. It just would have been blue. <laughs> it would have been like a child's drawing with just kind of those the, the scallops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's it's not. And uh, yeah, and I I think I gotta kind of take back a little bit. I I don't think Jim Mooney did a bad job of inking it, but I think he probably 
oversimplified a little, and again, I, I don't, yeah, see, I don't wipe, see the Marie Severin style things. as much. He didn't much. wipe things. Well, well, yeah, but he, he still kept a certain amount of detail and not just wiping things out, at least. I'm, I'm a little surprised sometimes when I see books in the early to mid-70s at how much trouble some people seem to have drawing the thing. Because in the one flashback where they show him, he's, he's just unimpressive looking. Uh, I think they tended to make the rocks too small on him in a lot of the, the drawings. And it just it made him look smallish. It, it made him less you know, formidable looking. He, 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 he almost reminded me of the, you know, the cartoon version of the thing. Oh, yeah, that does look like the cartoon version of the thing. Yeah, because if you were to actually bring Mr. Fantastic, like in that shot you're saying, the thing is obviously closer to you than Mr. Fantastic, but if you brought Reed next to him, the thing would be <laughs> kind of smaller. Yeah, you would think, I mean, from the looks of it, Reed would be taller than him. Yes, yeah. And not really, you know, the thing wouldn't be all that much wider and, and more, no. you know, imposing looking. The other thing about this story that just throws me off a little bit is, you know, I remember, you know, collecting some early Submariner issues, and I think I have the majority of this series. I think there's very little that I need. Uh, but anyway, uh, in the first few issues, when uh, when the Tiger Shark is created, uh, you know, when Dr. Dorcas, uh, <laughs> you know, uses whatever machine to turn him into the Tiger Shark... He struck me as a particularly formidable foe at that time, uh, and he really he really has very little to do here other than stand around and snarl and shoot an energy weapon. You know, there's there's no battle whatsoever with him. He he doesn't seem very formidable at all. He's you know you might you could have had the porcupine be the uh, villain. So, well, he, he he's on the clock. That's why. I guess. He's a professional man. He's got things to do. Boy, that fin's got to be annoying. When you're walking through doorways and stuff. <laughs> Ow! Ow! It folds over. He got to. He has to go through doorways. He's got to fold it over. Get in the elevator. Yeah. So I wonder the, if he wakes up in the in the morning. He's got fin head. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember if the costume comes off of him or if that's like grafted to him or something. I don't. I. I would imagine it's got. What are you talking cool. about? They wear their costumes constantly. What do you? I, I, what is this you speak of? I don't know. Well, I'm thinking to sleep. Maybe he would be able to. Take no, it no, they just lay down with. Forget sleep. He's got to have a fly, right? He's a shark. They don't go to sleep, man. <laughs> you know what? That's he's got to. He's got to constantly be moving or die. It's said facetiously, but they would probably. I, you know, and, and I haven't followed any recent. Or more recent things with him, but I wouldn't be surprised if they worked that into his uh, into his power set slash backstory that that he's got to constantly uh, be on the move. No wonder he's bitchy, and uh, you'd be upset too if you couldn't go to sleep. God damn it! I gotta I gotta keep walking around the house, or I'll drop dead. This sucks. And he hasn't peed in fifteen years. Well, he just goes in a pool and just kind of excretes it out of his body or something. Yeah, or he just stands um, there and, you know, you're like, come on, man, on my carpet? Really? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Go outside. <laughs> Look Hit what you did. 
I'm trying to house house train Tiger Shark again. <laughs> Get the rolled up paper. <laughs> Hit him in the snout. He's like a cat. He's up running around in the house all night. I can't get any sleep. Get this tiger shark. Who who got this guy from the pound? It's the last time I pick up a tiger shark. Man, you're killing me. Okay, so I think it's time to, to rate this book now. Uh, so, cover, Gil Kane. I can only go so low on a Gil Kane cover, but, you know, it's it's... It's a good drawing. I don't like the box, but that's not his fault. Uh, it does give you something that we get inside the issue. Uh, everybody's drawn fairly well. The city detail could be a little bit better. It's kind of generic, and it's certainly not Boston. Uh, I'm going to say a B on the cover. The interior art... Like I said, I love me some Marie Severin, but I don't feel like her style is well played here. And I'm going to say a B- on the interior art, which kind of bothers me to do, but I'm going to say it anyway. And then the story, it's you know, it's kind of silly at points. <laughs> and uh, But it, it, it kept me engaged, so I'm going to go with a B- on the interior art. On, on the story, rather, and overall, I'll give the book a B minus. I gave. I, the... I was stretching. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. I I liked the cover. Uh, I gave it an A. The story, I you know, I'm not as familiar with the uh, Submariner, but I felt they uh, they 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 brought you up to date in a relatively quick and easy manner. You know, I get it's a chapter in an ongoing saga. So, you know, I, I appreciated that. I thought it had action. action. I thought it had suspense. I thought uh, the humor with the bat signal. I gave the story uh, an A-. And the interior art, I actually, I really liked it. I liked that opening image with Namor and Atlantis around him. I got a kick out of him walking in the rain with the Lonely Man song playing in the background and all the flashbacks. I thought the art was detailed. I like that there's backgrounds as opposed to, you know, blank pages. So I gave the art an A2, and my overall grade is uh, an A-. minus. Hmm. I'm having to wonder, why would Namor wear... Why would Namor wear a raincoat? I, I mean, granted, he's not... <laughs> the flash people. <laughs> he, he's not wearing that green Speedo underneath there. It's little Namor. Well, I, I mean, granted, he's not carrying an... He's not, he doesn't have an umbrella with him because he's like, certainly, but why is he wearing a hat? Why does he care about getting wet? He's the frickin' Submariner. Yeah. Right? <laughs> In fact, water makes him stronger. Exactly. So why is he wearing a hat? See, I took it as he didn't want to be recognized by his fans. Oh, I'm sure that's okay. exactly what it is, because he's being yeah. sought by people. But it just seems weird to have him so covered up in the rain. Yeah. All right. uh, sorry, but all right, let me get back to my grade. So the cover, uh, you know, I like the color of... Because of the tiger sharks costume here because it's i don't want to say it's 
inconsistent in the rest of the book, but he's wearing a harness and it just it's, it's weird. It's a different color. I I I like that color scheme right there. Um, uh, I I really like that gun. That's like that's like a Marvel Star Wars laser pistol. If I you know almost like a Infantino ish gun, especially with that energy blast that's coming out of it. That's that's straight out of Marvel Star Wars that we won't see for another uh, five or six years. Um, so uh, I'm gonna give it uh, B B on the cover. Uh, the interior art. Um, well, I guess maybe this goes with the storytelling, too. I was a little confused because it says Namor in Boston, but yet everything – I mean, the opening blurb is Namor in Boston, and I'm like, that's not Boston. Oh, wait. Okay. What? Huh? And then I realized he's in Boston on the next page. You know, So I was a little thrown off by that. Um, so the art, uh, I'm going to give it uh, B plus, A minus. And the story, you know, it's 70s Marvel. Uh, it tells the story. You, you know, we have the obligatory here our heroes fight. Um, it is interesting that Namor is, you know, is a little bit more tragic, tragic. And he's, you know, as you said, spoilers, he's not going to win this one. Things are not going to work out well. Uh, I'll give the story a B as well. So I B, it's B for for bad, bad. Bad tiger shark. Bad. Go outside. Go in the kiddie pool. <laughs> All right. So, what do we got next? Oh, me! I got a book. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not open. It's not <laughs> I have a book. I'm just ill prepared to present it. No, 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 no. I, I, I had to. In order to plug in certain things, I had to. Never mind. I'll just shut up now. So anyway, I have a book. And you know what? Oddly enough, I didn't realize this until we were discussing earlier. Mine has somewhat of a water theme in it, too. Does it? Yeah, because the guys are on a boat. That's the origin of the, of our hero. The thing they find in the in in the river. And they're on a boat when it that happens. Is true. On the, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, all right. I went for the indie... But then I realized, crap! This is actually a DC book. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, let it address slide. that though. No, because early on, before you were even on the show, back when it was me, Scott, and Mike, and I realized I did not have quite the selection of indie books. So I posed the question then: uh, you know, what if it's a book published by Marvel or DC, but not part of their universe? And the response was, that's fine. That'll count as an indie. So Ex Machina does not count as part of the DC Universe. All right. Ex Machina number one uh, from Wildstorm, which I guess, uh, if you want to trace that back, was an offshoot from Image that certain properties DC purchased, I guess would be the quickest way to actually sum that up. Would you guys agree? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you guys are so agreeable. Uh, this came out in August 2004. Uh, on sale date, June 16th, 2004. Cover price, two ninety five. 
Wow. Ouch. Ouch. And the writer is Brian K. Vaughn. Uh, penciler is Tony Harris. I, you know, I want to say I can't think of where I've seen Tony Harris before. Uh, I guess I could have researched that, but it took me long enough to find the book. Inker is Tom Feaster. Letter is Jared K. Fletcher, and colorist is J.D. Mittler, and the editor is Ben Abernathy. Look at that, Paul. Look how good I did on those on those words. I don't think I screwed any of them up. But now, see, this is what Paul's good. Paul's wondering, why is Bill dragging us out so much? Guess what, Paul? I ain't got no synopsis. Paul's like, God, I'm never going to get out of here now. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to sum this up quickly. Because if I try to go through page by page, I'm just going to stumble upon it. I'm just going to go. I I read through through it a few times. I've been interested in this book because I've heard about it in the past, didn't know anything about it, dug it out, and was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I'm not going to try to tell the what happened in the book because it's all disjointed and jumps around in time. But basically, you have a guy who, through series of events, gains superpowers, and that superpower is that he can talk to machines. And he also has this heightened intelligence, and he can create machines. But he's kind of doing this in, in his sleep. But and uh, his early life, he was in, he's interested in superheroes. His mother is helping. Uh, uh, other women and people to vote and take part in the American process and this and that and he's all gung-ho and he's I uh, believe he, he's he's a police officer and they're investigating a mysterious thing that's found in the water by uh, was it the George Washington Bridge I believe Just scroll back through here see I should have even put down notes but I didn't anyway Yes, vamp, vamp, guys, vamp. Oh, the Brooklyn. I think it's the Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Bridge. That's right. Bill. So they go. Yes, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. Thanks. Right. So they're on a police boat. This is where the boat comes in, and they're down under there, and he's with his buddy, Mr. Bradbury. Aha, uh-huh. I wonder if that was a, uh, you know, whatever. So, there's for a somebody who talks to machines, I would say yes. Yeah. So, this uh, glowing object in the water explodes and kind of disfigures him, and but he ga- he gains the power to speak to, he can hear machines, and he could he can tell them to do things, and he hears the guy's radio, and he's going, shut up, shut up, and then when it a- a- activates his power, they do a thing with a speech bubble that makes it go green, and he says, shut up, and it causes a blackout in the whole city, because he's, he's just going nuts. So, he becomes a self-styled vi- vigilante slash superhero, and then he decides that he's going to step down from that. And you find out that he has actually ran for and became the mayor. And there's a assassination attempt because somebody thinks he's an alien. And then the kicker at the end of the first issue is that you discover, you know, he says, you know, you know, why did you stop being a hero? He's like, because I was a failure. And he's like a failure how could you you know you know you saved so many lives he's, and he says no i was a failure if i were, were a real hero and we cut to a shot to where they're um 
is now one of the Twin Towers in New York is standing, but the other one is gone. He says, I would have been here in time to stop the first plane. And that's the last page of the story. And I was like, wow. Oh, okay. I didn't know anything about this going in, and now I'm intrigued to read the rest of the rest of the story, the rest of the series. So, uh, what do you guys think? That's it. That's what I'm doing for a synopsis. <laughs> I mean, I think that kind of sums it up, really. I mean, you know, there's some stuff in there where the politicians. He's a he appears to be a legitimately. Um, honest man because at one point they're trying to blackmail him um, the powers that be and um, and he basically you know he, he isn't going to be paid off or bought by these people I mean he seems to be a legitimate good guy with with good intentions where this is going to go I don't know he's, he's wearing a Yankee hat so no <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. that makes that just makes him even better uh oh Dave and I are going to fight. Fight, 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 fight. Do we I, have I, I know now. All I have to do is kick you in the knee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What did you think, Paul? Um, I generally want to steer away from books that have such an easy nexus to politics because I find that they get a little too preachy. And that's like the biggest thing that scares me about this book. But mm. just looking at this book alone, you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of the artwork. Honestly, it's it's a little too muddy for me. This is, you know, people talk about like '90s artwork and whatever. This is like the 2000s artwork, uh, kind of like the muddy and the muddy coloring almost. They, they didn't want to have really bright colors to speak of in in things. So I, I'm I'm a little turned off by that and that was something that was kind of industry-wide uh in in that era and it, it's something that turns me off to some of those books in general <clears throat> it's almost like it's a faux painted style uh, that i'm not a fan of uh, that said i think brian vaughn is an excellent writer and uh, i think the story you know i think the story flows along pretty well and as a general rule like i said despite my trepidations about it i kind of enjoyed it I've also, like you, Bill, been been someone who's kind of heard about this series, had interest in getting into it, and just never have gotten around to it. So this is my first real exposure to it, despite the fact that I've wanted to for a while. It's been on in my queue for 15 years, and you know maybe it's time to to start taking a closer look at it and see if you know if it does get overly political, then I can just kind of shut it down. Mm. I uh, I like this book a lot. I'll be honest with you, for me, it was kind of like a punch in the chest reading it. Because from 99 till 2004, I worked in the mayor's office under Giuliani and Bloomberg. And while it's a fanciful story and it's with a guy with superpowers, I kind of feel it was as realistic as you can get. Because he gets, he gets these powers, and he's not like Superman, you know, that he just takes off and he's saving helicopters. and He saves people, but he screws things up, too. And the cops are looking for him at one point, and he pretty much says he's not going to do this anymore. 
And then comes September 11th, which is what propels him into the mayoralty. And it kind of almost parallels the real world, so to speak. In 2001, we had the election for mayor in the city of New York. And it was Michael Bloomberg, who was a, a billionaire, running against, uh, I think it was Mark Green at the time, who was the public advocate. If you asked anyone at the end of August who was going to be the mayor, people would say, I'll tell you right now, it's not going to be Mike Bloomberg. And no one cared what Giuliani had to say at that point. September 11th happens. That's what made Mike Bloomberg the mayor. That's what gave, you know, Giuliani the, the juice to endorse him. And people just wanted to hold things going forward after that. So to me, it makes sense that this was the point in time that this superhero came along. He was able to stop the second plane and was outed. Yeah, I want to run for mayor. He would have gotten it. Hmm. So, I mean, I mean, legally speaking, he wouldn't have had time to get on the ballot unless he was running before, which is really unlikely. But for the purposes of this, that's last page. When you turn the page and you see the one tower there, it's like a punch in the chest for me. But I, I thought it was a great story. The art, I'm not a fan of the art either. And the cover, I thought it was all right, but not great. But the story I loved. The story was absolutely fantastic. I read this, I'd say, maybe six, seven years ago. And I thought it was a great story, and I still do. Yeah, I mean, I, I know some, you know, your background in history, and I didn't choose this because of that. I had already gone in and said, oh, yeah, I'm going to choose this. because, and, and then I started to read it, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. You know, it, it's – it's uh... so have you read further in the story, Dave? I read it through trade paperbacks, and I got up to I have one left to get, and the public library doesn't have it. So I'm oh. going to have to, at some point, spring for it. I mean, they had everything right up to the last trade. Mm. Does it get, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's it's it treads a, probably goes along a political and superhero line. If If memory serves me. There is a political element, but it's not over the overriding element. It's it doesn't for, beat you over the head either way. No, because it would have if if it became head beating. Uh, it wasn't my kind of head beating, so it didn't irritate me. Hmm. It was more politics as far as him having the superpowers and that kind of thing. It and wasn't really like that. You know, Republicans are the bad guys, or Democrats are the bad it, it really didn't go that route, if memory serves. Mm. But okay, it was well, good. I enjoyed it. That says it was published in a different era right there. <laughs> yeah. Because now you have to choose a side. So, yeah, one of the things that we were saying earlier where he screws up is, uh, like, in... Because each time you jump through time in the story, there'll be like a dateline, you know, say Monday, it says Monday, April 10th, 2000, and he's flying around in his outfit, and he's trying to get, stop two kids that are on top, on top of the subway cars, riding it, 
And you're right, he does screw up a little bit. You know, like he says full stop on the car, but it ends up, it shuts down the subways for 11 hours. So people are kind of like, you know, he's trying, but he's not, you know, he doesn't always quite get it right. And earlier on with his assassination attempt, um, he yells out the word jam when a guy goes to shoot him and it, it jams the gun. The gun doesn't fire. So uh, I'm kind of in, in, interested as to where, you know, and, and don't spoil it, but I want to know, like, where, you know, what was that thing in the water? Where do these powers come from? What's in the water? What's in the water? So. I'd love to be able to spoil it, but, you know, in my old age, I don't even remember what happened. <laughs> Why are we here again this morning? <laughs> Who am I? Wait a minute. Who are you Who people? Are you? I'd so. be interested to reread it myself, to, to be honest <laughs> with you. Oh, yeah. I, I was finally able to go through some of my indie books, because uh, while my daughter was off up in Ohio visiting her sister, um, I set up two tables in her bedroom, and I moved a bunch of boxes out there. And I sorted through. I was able to sort through. I thought it was all my indie books. Then when I put everything back in the garage, because she was coming back, so I had to put everything back in the garage and make it, you know, appear like I was never in there. You know, a big empty room. I'm going to take advantage of this space. She's gone for two weeks. I was able to sort through. You know, figure. Oh, I I didn't know I had this book. Oh shit. So. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> Neither do we. Oh, f- forgetting. Jeez, I forgot that I forgot. I forgot what I was talking about. Well, I am 50 now, so, you know. Oh, I forgot to send a gift. That's, that's, that's not old. What you gave mean, me that? a gift. Now, sh- yeah, you ruined the magic of the show that way. Oh, oh, sorry. I gave you a gift, too. Although you're probably like, thanks for nothing. I bet if you show that <laughs> gift... gift I bet if you show that gift to Dave, he'd be like, oh, I know exactly where that'll work. I'm thinking you lifted it when you were in the brig sometime. I gave Paul a big giant key. Nice. Is that That... the key to your... No, 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 no. Don't even go there. (laughs) It's all right. Paul will take it out and post. Well, we looked it up, and it might actually be a key to a jail cell. (laughs) To a door. That one of the guys at work had, and I was like, oh, I can, yeah, give me that key. Was it hanging on a ring right next to the cell? <laughs> All you do is reach out and get it. Well, this thing, like, fits in the palm of your hand. I mean, it's like the size of the palm of your hand, right? I mean, like, it would go from the back of your palm almost to the almost to your fingertips. And it's about at least two inches wide. It's, it's a huge key. Yeah, it is. I told him, just like, keep in your pocket. When somebody asks for a key, you just whip this out, and they'll be like, what do you have that? <laughs> because I got a really big door. I'm, I'm trying to find what this opens. So, uh, all right, well, I guess I need to grade this. Uh, I mean, do we have any other thoughts, discussions? Not really for me. I'm, I'm, you know, unfortunately, I, I didn't get to really take a deep dive into this one, so I don't have a lot, and I apologize for that. No, no, I, I, ti- I, I timing is what it was. Yeah, 
I do like the fact that it shows that the the main character. Oh, we didn't even say his name. Uh, Mitchell. What is it? Mitchell. Hundred. It should be like Mitchell Machine or something like that. <laughs> that as a small child, and I, I'm wondering if some of this is photo referenced. I think so. That uh, um, he's really in, he's really loves superheroes. He's actually reading the the Warlord comic while he's sitting with his mom back in the seventies, and he's talking to his buddy, who's uh, like the local, I guess, helper guy or maintenance guy, whose name is Kremlin, and who believes in the the workers unite. Oh, not subtle there at all. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Wonder what message they're trying to give us there. Hmm. Yeah. So. Anyway, grading it. Uh, cover? Who did the cover? Let me look at Mike's. I got Mike's up here. Oh, I thought it was the same as the interior. Uh, I th- yes, it is. But it, it looks a little different than the interior for me. It, it, that's why I was... It, it almost kind of looks a little... Ooh, Howard Chaikin-ish, maybe? Maybe a cleaner Howard Chaikin, would you say? Yeah, I, I would... That's not a bad description. You know, like, the eyes are cleaner. Like, Howard Chaikin sometimes can be a little... Like, inside it looks a little... Like, with it being darker, it could be more Chaikin-ish, but it's still cleaner. Like, I I, I really I really need to figure out where else I've seen uh, this artist before. So, um, so the cover. Um, it's got a, like, a gear, like a translucent type gear in the background you know it's x machina so we have a machine gear we have a like a banner of the american flag and then we have his superhero outfit which we really didn't discuss much it's kind of like a full body like tactical suit but then this uh this backpack rig with camo pout with ammo pouches and these weird looking wings and a flight helmet with some other type of little antennae translucent antennae and goggles and that's his superhero outfit i can't remember what oh, what did he call himself uh was it x machina or maybe it was yeah i know we did you, you just read it you don't know is anyway. it the machine I, the machine that's right and then in the foreground we have uh mitchell hundred and then kremlin and then his other chief uh the guy that's his chief of staff i think that's uh, bradbury again uh, all facing front, arms crossed, looking out at the reader. Uh, so I, I'm going to give this – it's an odd cover. I mean, you know, but this is a cover of the times for this this era. And I think still going forward, we just get covers like this. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a B. Uh, interior art, I'm going to be higher than you guys. I – didn't have any issues with it. Um, sometimes it's, I don't want to say it's like uh, Neil Adams, but we, we do have the thing where sometimes uh, the characters will, you know, things will go out of one panel into another or o- overlap. Well, actually, going through, maybe I only see that once or twice. So it's not as many times as I thought, but, but it is there. So I'm going to give the interior art a... B minus, and 
because uh, it, I mean, it flows well for me, even though it jumps around in time. But maybe that's why it flows better for me because that's the way my mind works. <laughs> so the story, I'm going to give the story an A. So overall, the A, uh, the book's going to be for me right now an A minus. Of course, you might wonder how does one A and two Bs make an A minus? I don't care. It's my grading system. Bite me. <laughs> I, I, I've often said that it's your grading system. You go where you want. Very good. Next. Dave? Paul, do you want to go or do you want me to go? Uh, I'll go. It's fine. Um, Hello? Is this Poe Dameron? Do I go next or do you go next? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, go. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute and didn't realize it. Um, I, I was talking there. I was rating. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I really don't like the cover. I don't think it would. Uh, I don't think it would compel me to pick this up. This is you know, this is the first issue of a new series. There's nothing about this cover that makes me say, "Hey, this is interesting. Let me grab it." Uh, the only way I would end up buying this is if there was word of mouth about it and buzz that made me say, "You know, this this is something I need to check out," or you know, some sort of description of what the story was going to be about that intrigued me. So I'm going to say the cover kind of fails. It's not only the style, it's just a matter of, like I said, there's nothing about it that really grabs me. So I'm going to go with a C-. minus. I don't think it's, like, horrible. It doesn't. It's not offensive to the eye. Uh, but I think the purpose of a cover is to get you to buy it, especially on, on a book that's not part of the main, uh, you know, Marvel or DC universes. So, uh, you know, that's where I am there. The interior art is definitely not a style that I like, but it's cleaner and it's more, uh, you know, there's more storytelling aspect to it and there are points where it gets a little dynamic. Uh, there's points where it's kind of, uh, you know, moody. So I'm going to say the interior art succeeds where the cover fails and I'm going to give the interior art a B. Uh, the story... Uh, Pretty intriguing, pretty interesting. Again, like I said earlier, I think Brian Vaughn is a really good writer. So I'm going to say an A- minus on the story, and overall I'll give the book a B. I uh, didn't care for the cover, but I didn't hate the cover. The thing I really didn't like about the cover was the coloring choice, to be honest. The, the orange just didn't do it for me. So I gave the cover a B. The interior art... I really didn't like the interior art. I didn't like the style. I didn't like a lot of the coloring in it. So I gave it a C. But the story I loved. I thought the story was great. I remember when I read it the first time, I couldn't wait to get to the next issue. So I gave the story an A and an overall grade of B. All right. So that's our three books for today. We actually got through three books. When was the last time we did three books? Wow. Mm. When's the last time I did a book? Ooh. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so thanks thanks for coming on, Dave. We appreciate you filling Scott's shoes. By the way, Scott is on assignment. I could never replace him, only succeed him. Well, you succeeded in succeeding. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to come on and have some laughs. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening in, and we will see you next time. So long. Bye-bye. A fuitasin. Ciao. We're out.
Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. All right, cool. Oh, I thought we were going to keep doing uh, goodbye words. <laughs> Adios. Uh, Aloha. <laughs> <laughs> Aha!